You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Elisa. How are you? Oh, hanging in there. Happy to be Sunday. Yeah, but we've just spent the last hour and a half <laughs> talking about audio problem. Two hours talking about <laughs> two audio hours. problems. <laughs> hey, but we're geeks. This is what we do. There's, there's got to be a joke in some here, somewhere here and here. Like two geeks walk into a guy and and they say, uh, <laughs> and they say, <laughs> two hours later, on? is this guy on? He and is. We, what is that voice we hear? It's another boy. Another boy. We have to stop having boys over. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Geeky Show Ever, Guy Searle. Hi. For the third time. <laughs> At least the third time. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing is... This boy has been in the room for a long time. Yeah. And the funny thing is, we want to talk to you about audio. Are you sure? <laughs> I think you no no more jinxing no more jinxing I called no more jinx. Okay. <laughs> Wait, should I go get the chicken and the the powder and the the witch doctor? Yeah. yeah. And the, the maracas. What do they that. call it? The the zombie maracas, whatever whatever those things are called. That's what they're called now. They're called zombie oh, okay. maracas now. Zombie maracas. Yeah, I like that. Oh guy, we know that you are a man of a thousand microphones, so. I am. We wanted to talk to you about your microphones and, and audio and how we can fix the problems that we're having with our audio and our quality. How well, many microphones do you have now, guys? How many mic how many raindrops are there in a rainstorm? Um Do you know? Do you have you do you have a count? Do you have a library? Do you have a catalog somewhere? Well, right here next to me I have six on the desk seven on the desk. And then I have two actually connected in through the audio interface. So there's nine microphones on the desk right now. And in the closet behind me that you can't see, there's a few more, including some that don't work anymore. I think someone once gave me a ribbon mic and I put power to it, which destroys ribbon mics. So Oops. okay, I will talk about, I will talk about that later. Uh -huh. So what is your favorite microphone right now? My What's the microphone that you're using right now? If you're on the red carpet, what what are you wearing, guy? Who who, who are you wearing? I'm I'm wearing a uh, Marvel Punisher skull shirt. <laughs> and and whose microphone are you using? Oh, today? the microphone that I'm using. It's a Heil <laughs> PR40, which is about a, I think it's about a three hundred and fifty dollar microphone. It's a dynamic microphone. Ooh, it needs it needs a crap ton of gain for it to work right. Uh, Are the you microphone tell us later of what that is. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. The <laughs> the microphone that a lot of podcasters seem to aspire to is the Shure SM7B. I'm sure you've heard. Yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, you got to use the Shure SM7B." This is very similar. It has a slightly different frequency response than the SM7B, but it, it's very very similar. Uh, those these are both high gain requiring dynamic microphones. And we will get into the differences of microphones as we as we go through this uh, near Stephen King like novel show notes that I, I which I appreciate very much. Thank you. Oh, but believe me, I need I need see you guys have been listening to me on the My Mac podcast for a long time, and if there's one and you, you've both met me in person, if there's mm -hmm. one thing that people need to understand about Guy Searle, number one, he always talks about himself in the third person. And number two, he slash I need a lot of direction. Uh -huh. I need things to keep me on track. I am very easily distracted. So I do things. And, and you know, some people like Tim Robertson from, you know, creator of the MyMac podcasting network and the MyMac podcast and geek and almost a geekiest show ever. And, actually, yeah, no, no, no. He did. No, actually, he did create the, the geekiest show yeah. ever. We, I just we, forgot. We took it from him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Went to his house. To give him. me the podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, um, he's very, very good at being off the cuff and, yes. and just, he, he could talk for hours off the cuff. 
Yeah. I need direction. He, I need he's some, improv. He is. He is. In your show notes. I, see, I'm show notes too. That's, yeah. that's what takes me a while to get going and stuff. That's why, because I'm the same way. I, I need to have, like you said, directions. I need yeah. to have bullet points and something to look at. And, and even then, even when I do have them, sometimes I don't always read them because then, yeah. I, I, then, right. I, then I go all, then I go all Tim and I get like improv and then sometimes that ends up better. So then I just kind of go with it. Yeah, it it doesn't always like you can probably ask Gaz how many times we've gone in a certain direction in the show. I've hijacked it and then at the very <laughs> end of it he's like, "Oh, we really shouldn't have gone there." But it's okay. And yet he still comes back for more. <laughs> for almost 11 years. 11 years. Oh my goodness. Or you hear the usual, "Will you let me finish?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a problem. I have sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, well. why don't you guys ask me whatever it is you're going to ask me. And then okay, Elisa's got some burning questions. Okay. Yes, and then we'll question. get into some of the things that I've got here about important things to remember about audio. Okay. Now, Guy, you wouldn't notice this, but Melissa would. I'm in a different location. I'm upstairs in my mm-hmm. craft room, as you can see by the wall of yarn behind me. Yes. Because I'm up here because I have more room. I've got a big old desk, so I have I have room to spread out. I have room to put the boom arm for the microphone. I have room for my, my uh, iPad for the show notes, water, et cetera, because I've got plenty of room. Wait, you're using the boom arm? We talked about that last time. You got the boom arm installed? Yeah, I just have it hooked up Yay. to the front of the desk. But see, that's the cool. problem. If I go and all that downstairs... Yarn is, all that yarn is providing the soundproofing... <laughs> Well, that, Sorry, I had well to say that's that. p- that's part of the question because that's okay. behind me. There's nothing in front of me except a wall and some pictures and concert stubs on the wall. The question, though, is normally I I do everything downstairs in the living room. I've got this armoire that I bought like 20 years ago, maybe 21 years ago, and it's made for offices. But the way it's laid out, the bottom part of it has a place where you put your tower, because back then you still had the towers, whether it was Macs or Windows. And then it's got a shelf for your printer, and it's got a center piece that has uh, where you put your monitor, but it's made for a very small monitor. And everything is static. You can't move anything around to give yourself more room. So I'm kind of like squeezed in with my 16-inch MacBook Pro. There's nowhere to put my ipad to to sit it up you know to stand it up so i can read it the boom arm would be kind of like squished in front of me however when i'm down there i'm on top of the router and the modem which was part of the problems that we were having before we eventually started recording again so is there really that much of a difference i mean i i don't know i think i think what i'm trying to ask you is is the location more important than the microphone or is the microphone like the more important piece of the puzzle? But you're talking about, you're talking about internet connectivity proximity. Like no, proximity she, what, she's talking about the room, signal. the room versus the microphone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that depends on what type of microphone you have. And I'll, I'll go more into it, but you both have uh, ATR2100-USB microphones made by Audio-Technica. Those are dynamic microphones. And the great thing about dynamic microphones is they have a relatively small, and we'll go into this again also, they have a relatively small polar pattern, and they're really, really good at noise rejection. So... If you have a condenser microphone, which is a a powered microphone, you have to have 48 volts on for it. And they're great because you can get like a real great big booming kind of of sound out of a condenser microphone because they're very sensitive. But therein also lies their Achilles heel because they're so sensitive, they will pick up a fly fart from 20 yards away. And all of that comes into the microphone. So like if you if you went to a recording studio you would likely see the singers using condenser microphones in a well treated room with foam on the walls and you know everything set up so that whatever noise is being generated from within that room is being absorbed into the materials on the wall versus bouncing off those walls and coming back into 
the condenser microphones. The guys that are playing or guys or girls playing guitars or drums or saxophones or whatever else it is that they're playing, they're typically going to use dynamic microphones because they don't want the sound of any of the other instruments bleeding into what it is that they're doing. So that's why you'll see it's same kind of thing when you see live, when you see people performing live, they're typically going to use dynamic microphones because they've got a speaker that's in front of them. That's giving them the sound from the band. There's a wall of speakers behind them. That's going out to the people that are watching the concert. And all of that has to not go into the microphone that they're using to record because that will, especially if they're using in-ear monitors, that will drive them crazy. Latency and everything else. We talked about latency earlier, and we'll talk about it here on the show as well. So is the room, is the room, like the room treatment more important than the microphone? And proximity to the microphone. Yeah. It depends on the room and it depends on the microphone. If you're using so for it, our mics, it, what, it's what not as important okay. because you're using dynamic microphones. If you were using condenser microphones, then it would probably be best to be in a semi-treated room. I'm sure you've heard about podcasters who set up like moving blankets in a closet and then they have their whole. Yeah, I'm always yeah. paranoid about it because I have so many in, in the room where I'm in, I have so many windows yeah. and, you know, there's curtain treatments on them, but they're shears. And I always think, well, you know, what if there's stuff bouncing off the glass or, you know, I was really worried about the soundproofing in mm-hmm. this space. I've got, you know, a big green screen behind me because we do some stuff with that. Um, so you're saying that I, I don't have to be so worried about it because this Not is as a worried. microphone. Right. right. Now, if you were using... Um, like I've got a, a revelator or sorry, a personas, uh, revelator microphone here that I'm, I'm testing. And I'm sure that personas is really interested in me finally getting that review out. Cause I've had it for a couple of weeks now. Uh, that is a condenser microphone and I tried condenser. using it cause I also do on Tuesday nights. I like to do Chuck Joyner's Mac voices live, which is it, by the way, Tuesday nights, 8 PM. Eastern Standard Time, Facebook, Chuck Joyner's Mac Voices Live, hysterical. Um, I might have to poke in there. <laughs> oh, you guys know Kelly Gumont. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, you got Chuck, you've got Kelly Gumont, you've got me, you've got Dave Ginsburg, you've got this other rotating cast of characters. Yeah, I watched the and podcast the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck almost always loses control of the room, which is what makes it so fun. Anyway... So, but to answer your question in a, in a very long and roundabout way, which is what this has turned into, the room isn't necessarily more than the microphone, isn't more important than the microphone and the microphone isn't necessarily more important than the room, but it's both of those together Mm -hmm. that can determine. Yeah. um, That's why I was telling, that's why I got excited when Elisa said she was using the, the boom arm because mm-hmm. I recently got one installed. And so I had I had a couple different things going on. This goes back to Guy when you and I were testing things. I had I actually had a problem with this very microphone that I'm using. And it actually after after everything, because you remember I was just I was going insane. I was really losing it because I kept hearing this this noise. Now we're still talking about from. the microphone. Yes. Okay, just <laughs> checking. We had to clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> But it actually turned out to be that, uh, so sanity check, it was actually the microphone. I actually had to send this back. It was determined to be faulty. And it was under the warranty, so I sent it back to the manufacturer, and they fixed it, and they sent it back, and problem solved. So, oh, my gosh. But I thought it was me for the longest time, you know? Well, I actually, as I recall, didn't I give you a a mixer? And actually, the microphone I gave you was a a condenser microphone. Yes. Yes. So that's, yes. So we were talking about that before. That's why I tease you about your, your library of yeah. microphones. Cause it was kind of like, well, if you're having a problem, contact guy, check out a microphone from his library. He'll let you borrow one and <laughs> see if it's that, you know, rule out the problem, like sure. you know, your process of elimination here. So, so that did. So borrowing that microphone helped me determine that, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't the, it was this microphone. It was this microphone in particular. So I, I, you know, I sent it back, they repaired it and it's been knock on wood. It's, it's been yeah. fine since. Um, Audio Technica is, is an awesome company. 
Yeah, I mean, I've had this for how many years? How how long ago was that? I mean, I've been using was, this for, that for was all this time. three, four years so ago. So the issue, though, that Elisa had been having, too, and I, I found out the hard way. I A while ago, I gave a presentation, and I didn't realize it, that I was sitting further away like this, and I was talking the whole time, and, and I just – I had not realized just how far I had gotten from the microphone, and I was so yeah. embarrassed to find out that later, we can't hear you. <laughs> So ever since then, I'm like, all right, I'm going to eat the microphone now. I'm just going to keep. Well, you got to be careful of that too, because there's a thing Mm -hmm. called the proximity effect. Okay. And the closer you are to the microphone, like I'm good microphone technique is uh, the, the, the best way to kind of address a microphone. Like uh, we have, we have Skype on or the, our cameras on here in Skype though. This probably won't be released as a video podcast. Right. But if you look at where my microphone is in relation to me, I'm about three, four inches away from it. Mm-hmm. And so when I set up my my gain and and, and all of the, the crazy, stupid things that I do with with my microphone input, that's what I set it at so that I'm about this far away. Because if I get really close, you get a lot of bass. And if I get really far away, then it just doesn't sound right. So microphone technique is also very important. Mm-hmm. Well, I was struggling with it the other day, and that's what made me think of it, too, and with, with why I said I got a, uh, excited that Elisa installed her, her boom, boom arm. mic arm is because my husband had to give some presentations, and like I see, you know, in, in your screen, Guy, you know, like you said, we're, we're using video so we can see each other mm-hmm. and point things out to, to one another. I can't see your microphone. Like, you can see my microphone here a little bit, and I can see Elisa's, how she's got her set up. Now, I have the cover on my microphone, and I do need to – I do have one of these things, and I – been trying for the life of me trying to figure out how to install this over top of what i have here but i'll figure that out later um anyway so my husband was giving this presentation and he was instructed to have this you know fancy backdrop and so you know that's why we have the green screen and when i set up his his uh you know our little studio for him Mm -hmm. we didn't want this big honking microphone in the scene so i had to like lower it so I lowered it really low, and of course you've met my husband, and he's a, he's a big dude too. Yeah, he's a big guy. And you know, yeah, and I'm 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 a little you know shrimp cake you know sitting here. So I had to like readjust everything and make it lower so that it came up from the bottom instead of you know I had thought about I have a, a an arm like a microphone arm stand, mm-hmm. and I had thought about maybe raising it up really tall and then hanging it down from up above so that it was up here. But we just didn't have time to like you know set all that stuff yeah. up. So then and I thought, plus well, I'll just those use my those arm. kind of boom arms are like really really hard to adjust, especially if yeah. you have multiple people that are using the same microphone. Right, and, and this one is really really tight. Yeah. Like he was he was afraid he'd break it because he you know he's the Hulk. And so yeah, I said, all right, let me do it. So I, I adjusted on it. it. Right. Yes, it has yeah. very very tight tension springs on it, which mm-hmm. I like. Uh, so then I can't like accidentally knock it out of place and it doesn't go flying or anything. So it's it's there and it's it's where I need it to be for me. But for him, I had to actually move it way down lower and have it kind of go up underneath mm-hmm. so that in the picture you couldn't see it. And I haven't listened back to the audio, but now I'm worried. Now, he has a very boisterous voice. You know, he knows yeah. how to project. He's He's a teacher. So I don't think it'll be an issue. But I just know Elisa was struggling with it just as I had been, where it just had to do with how close you are to the microphone. So I've got it now positioned where, you know, I've listened to my audio and I think it's it's done, it's a, it's a lot better now because I'm closer to the microphone. I'm not eating it, but now because of this arm, I have it positioned right where it needs to be. So I think that the positioning, like you said, is, is really important. And I, and I think is. that now that Elisa has her microphone positioned closer to her, then she won't struggle so much with you know, being too low on volume and things like that. But that's because that's, I'm up yeah. here. I don't have the room yeah. downstairs. That's the problem. Like I said, right. it's a very mm-hmm. static space. The nice thing about boom arms is compared to like a, a desktop stand. If you hit your desk in any way, shape or form, and you're using a desktop yes. stand, those vibrations are going to come up through the, through the, through the, uh, the, the, the desk mount. It's going to get into your recording. Whereas mm-hmm. with a boom arm, especially if you have, the microphone itself in what's called a shock mount, then all of those vibrations, you'll, you'll probably still be able to hear it, mm-hmm. but I'm hitting the desk really, really hard. And if I had had that in a desktop stand, it would have been like, it would have been like a, yeah. a, a, a um, Led Zeppelin concert, John Bonham right. on the drums. Right. And see, my husband, when he was giving the presentation the other day, he was talking and he didn't realize he was doing it. Cause I, I'm also a fidgeter. 
and I'm what? trying to really like trying to really control like fidgeting. And he he was talking. He was going like this, like because he was making a point. <laughs> and, and I was sitting there to... listening to it. And I was going, "Oh no!" <laughs> but I don't like you said. I mean, because it's up far enough away, it might not be as noticeable. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. But all those little tiny things oh, yeah. kind of set me off because I've made those mistakes. You see, oh I've everybody made does those mistakes. I know everybody, everybody does, mistakes. and so it's like okay. But I was trying to help him and trying to make his his presentation as clear as possible, and you know, trying to set it up in such a way. But that was one of the things that I didn't, re- you know, think to remind him, like, don't make any like bangs on the desk or anything. But, <laughs> but you don't know that's going to happen until it happens. As an example, um, if you listen to the either the next or or some of the previous My Mac podcasts, recent ones, and then you go back to. 2010 say Uh in the summer you will hear a a great deal of difference oh yeah in the audio quality for sure Um, because i've learned a lot over the years part of my problem also is i have a tendency to overthink what it is i'm trying to do tim robertson has been using the same microphone and the same interface (laughs) since the dawn of time and he sounds great yeah. I have to constantly fiddle with stuff. Uh, oh, and if I just uh-huh. do this and I just do right. that, then it'll be so much better. And I, and don't I was sitting here know. watching you guys tinker with Audio Hijack and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like it's adding more problems than it's solving. And I'm just sitting here with like one microphone and no yeah. mixer. Like, I don't understand. So I guess you're, you're going to talk about it, but I, I'm curious about why, why a mixer? Mm-hmm. Why would I add any of that into my life? I agree. Okay, well, we'll talk about we'll talk about mixers in a little bit. Um, okay, and and why some people may need one and other people don't. A lot of it because, and and we'll get into this as well. But a couple things to remember about audio: always try to record the absolute best pristine audio you can at the beginning. Which don't, is what we've been trying to do. <laughs> right, exactly. Because just like with video. Garbage in, garbage out. You can't fix bad audio in post, which you hear people talk about that. Oh, well, don't worry. We'll fix that in post. It's like, no, you can't always fix bad audio in post. Might not want to either. Right. The other thing is every person's voice is different and there is no microphone that is one size fits all. Now, when you look at microphones and you 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 know the the manufacturers will will give you this this range of specifications that can seem very very bewildering um and we're going to try to take some of the mystery out of it and we're going to use the specs of pretty much the industry standard microphone which is the sure sm58 that's the one you see people talking in talking in concerts you know using live either the 57 or the 58 uh, and it also, it's a dynamic microphone, which, again, we will talk more about later. So one of the first things you'll see when pe- when manufacturers talk about their microphones is they'll talk about frequency response. And it's typically in a range of 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz, though some manufacturers like to brag about some ridiculous range like like 10 hertz or uh, going all the way up to 25 kilohertz. And the reason why it doesn't matter is because nearly no humans can hear sounds outside of the 20 hertz to the 20 kilohertz range. Now, there's some variations based on how far away you are from the microphone and what direction you're speaking into it, but that variance doesn't typically matter as long as you are close to zero axis or, in other words, speaking directly into the capsule of the microphone. The SM58, which is the microphone that everybody talks about and everybody has in their arsenal that are, you know, professional audio people, which I am not, is 50 hertz to 15 kilohertz. That's the frequency response for an SM58. Um, And did either one of you have a question? Yes, I put mine in the chat. Ah, you are curious to know how newscasts make their audio sound so good when people are using iPods or whatever earbuds that they're using. Usually, you're talking about like people that are out in the field. 
doing like man well, in the street kind I of mean, stuff. Any, any news, any newscaster or interview you watch nowadays when they're interviewing people, because everybody's working from home these days, mm-hmm. you, if you pay attention to what they're what they're doing, they're not set up with a microphone. They're just wearing AirPods or they're just wearing whatever Galaxy Buds or whatever it is that they're wearing in their ears. Well, that's what they're How listening is it they're to. They're making that sound so good. Yeah, they're what, listening to that. What they're, but they're actually they're using, it's, it's called a lavalier microphone. And if you look really close oh, so to the collar. So do you think they probably collar, sent that out to them ahead of time? Oh, and, yeah, of course. And got of course. With it? Okay. You'll see, you'll see like there's a little black dot on their collar or somewhere, somewhere mm-hmm. on the front of them. And it's it, they're ah, typically yeah. very very small. Those are lavalier microphones, and those, based on quality, can range from anywhere from nine dollars to probably nine thousand dollars. And people who do audio profession, because all these people that you see on TV, they're not doing their own audio. And mm. when, well, for example, I wondered about that. Yeah, when like why don't we just use lavalier mics in podcasting? Because we don't have the money to spend on like super really, really good lavalier microphones. Okay. Um, when when COVID first hit and the, the Tonight Show and Jimmy Fallon and uh, you know, Conan O'Brien and, and all these guys that do the late night talk shows were trying to do their shows from their home. Mm-hmm. For the first couple of weeks, they sounded like crap okay. because they didn't have anyone there to help them with audio. They don't right, do their right. own audio. They don't yeah. know audio. They have people that come in and do audio for them. So newscast organizations and, and television and all the rest of that, uh, a lot of times they'll use like wireless lav microphones that are hidden somewhere on their person so that they can record really, really good crisp audio. The other thing that they also do, then this is the trick that they do is they'll shoot the episode. And then once the episode is shot, They'll bring the actors back in and they'll record in a studio their lines all over again. And then a a very good audio engineer will line that up with the video and then put in street sound effects or, you know, whatever it is that they need to make it all sound nice and fluid. And you won't hear you won't hear the homeless guy in the corner screaming something out loud. You won't hear you know, the uh, director is in, in and people going, wow, is that William Shatner over there? You know, or, or whatever, whoever it is that that's actually in the shot. They have very, very clever people to deal with the audio for all of these TV shows. Did that answer your question or did I go, did I go in a weird direction? Yes. I mean, basically the basic answer is, is that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover and what you see isn't what might actually be happening behind right. the scenes. Oh yeah. That's the magic of television. It's the magic of radio and, and, and all that. So it um, looks like a very casual interview might've been already pre-set up where they mailed the person a lavalier because yeah, they knew they were going to be interviewing them. Depending That's on that. who the person is, they may already have that stuff. If, if there's mm-hmm. somebody who gets interviewed a lot, they may have gone to someone yeah, and said, well, what do I need? Yeah. You know, and so mm-hmm. somebody will set them up with that. I guess I'm, I guess I'm just envious because, you know, I, I love my AirPods Pro and mm-hmm. I love, you know, wearing them around in the house and listening to stuff. But in the few times that I've tried to use them during a Zoom call or something, they'd get disconnected and then I can't hear what's going on. And I think to myself, oh, I don't I, this isn't reliable. It's it's wireless. So then I'm always just eh, just plug it in. <laughs> if you can plug it in, you should plug it in, which leads me to yeah. my next question. So yeah. when we look up our, so Elise and I are using the, the, um, the ATR 2100 mm-hmm. microphone as, as you were talking about, and it says it's called a cardioid dynamic because you were just talking about dynamic and what the difference right. is. So what does cardioid mean? And then it says it's a USB XLR. Now we're using the USB. So we understand what that is. XLR would be for using it with a mixer, and then you're going to talk about that later. Or other so audio my, equipment. My two things based on that. So what does cardioid mean? Cardioid is actually going to come up in just a little bit. I promise. Okay. I okay. promise. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next thing about microphones that manufacturers will tell you is how sensitive they are. And for the SM58, they talk about uh, a minus 54.5 dBV with a PA of 1.88 millivolts. Now, I've read up on this, and apparently you need a degree in the university of made-up words to understand it. It involves voltage, impedance, pascals, and sound pressure when speaking into a microphone. And I think someone invented fuzzy math 
just so that sound engineers can put their hand on their chin and nod when someone says something about those things so they don't look stupid. I do not understand what it means. So, yeah. <laughs> the next one is noise levels. Uh, you always want a noise level of, when you're looking at specifications, at le- less than five decibels. Now, this kind of follows the sensitivity rule as well, because this is what I read in, in, on one board that was talking about this. And it said, and I quote, the equivalent noise states that the self noise of a microphone, either as an A weighted RMS level or as an ITU weighted peak level. Okay. Did you get that? Well, doesn't everybody understand that? Come on, guy. No, nobody understands it. I don't understand it. (laughs) The takeaway really is, and it's all they needed to say, the lower the noise level is pretty much better across the board. Okay? Lower noise level, better. Now, in this case, case, go back to the noise level. Are we talking about noise as in there might be noise around me because the kids are playing or the husband's blasting the TV? That kind of noise? Or are you talking about noise within the microphone? Noise, self-noise within the microphone. Okay. Which is, it has nothing to do with whatever sound there may be outside of the microphone. That's self-noise. Okay, so you're talking about electronics are just inherently noisy. Yeah. Like, for example, um, when I was trying to troubleshoot a problem with my cable modem, um, mm-hmm. there was something, if you look it up in the report for your your modem, it'll talk to, talk about noise level. And mm-hmm. the, the cable company actually had to come out and put something on it a because, filter. Yeah, some kind of filter to reduce noise. So mm-hmm. is that what you mean? Like, I guess the, the noise that the electronic device produces on its own. It's, yeah, um, but it's, it's, it, it, it is pretty much the same thing, you know, because all, all electronic devices generate some noise within themselves. The question is, how does it affect whatever it is that that device is trying to do? Some, in some cases, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I used to work for a pacemaker company and the, the product that I worked on, and this is going back to like 1980. So this is like, what so long ago? Oh my goodness. Was this, this little box that had these two wristlets and you would put one on each of your wrists and then you would take your phone. Remember when phone used to be like curved a little in mm-hmm. the middle and you had an audio part and you had a, mm-hmm. a speaking part, you would set that down in there, hit a button. It would call your doctor's office. It had like a 300 baud modem built into it oh, and wow. it would transmit your heart information, your pulse and, and some oh, of the other God. things. And this is 1980 over the telephone wow. to your doctor's office where it would print out on this little graph. And, and now the, we have it in our Apple watches. Now you have it in, in your watch. The reason why I told you that was in, in a device like that, electronic noise that's generated within the device would be very, very bad. Bad, yeah. Because you want as crisp and clean a signal, especially when you're talking about a 300 baud modem, going back to your doctor's office as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Okay, next up. Distortion. I have three words to say about that. Distortion is bad. Okay? Total harmonic distortion should be under 1%. All right, this one's a little tough. Max SPL or sound pressure level for the SM58, that's set at 94 decibels. Now, sound above a certain level can be very painful to human ears. Large jets taking off typically generate about 100 to 120 decibels of noise. uh, And hopefully if you're inside of the jet, less than 80 decibels. And for some reason, microphone makers test their mics at all of these kinds of levels. So max SPL is a rating of how loud a sound you can put into your microphone without it distorting. The larger the number, the better. Though I would, I would hazard a guess as to say, if you're recording sounds above like 150 decibels, the bigger question would be, why are you recording sounds louder than 150 decibels? And so, the last one, yeah, go ahead. If you're Aerosmith, you want a microphone that's not going to blow out if you're Steven Tyler. Basically. Right. Because, and, and again, this comes back to 
What type of microphones is Steven Tyler going to use? He's not going to use a condenser microphone on stage because that's going to pick up the groupies in the front row that are throwing underwear at him. Uh, he's going to want a dynamic <laughs> microphone. Well, maybe not anymore because he's now, I think, God, how old is Steven Tyler now? He's got to be in his <laughs> 70s. Um, yeah, he's a grandfather now. You know, isn't that frightening? They're throwing out their AARP cards. <laughs> people like Steven Tyler and Keith Richards, who I still say has been dead since 1971 and has been replaced by a robot. These guys are all grandparents now. Mick Jagger and I think is a great grandfather. Uh, and well, let me tell m- maybe you, maybe a so-so him, grandfather, I've, but I don't know about great. And I've seen him twice in concert, and he still has it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So anyway, the, the, anyway, the last thing we're going to talk about, as far as these specifications go is uh, rated output impedance. With the SM58, that's 150 ohms. Now, nearly all professional-grade studio live microphones are designed with a low output impedance. Professional preamplifiers are typically designed with a high enough input impedance to obey the 10x rule of thumb. So the best preamp for a Shure SM58 with a rated output impedance of 150 ohms would be one with an input impedance of around 1,500 ohms. Now, there's really no way for the average person to figure all of that out. So audio interface and mixer, mixer makers do that for you. Basically, the lower the impedance usually is better, but not always. Okay, now you were asking about cardioid. We're going to talk about that right now. When, when you're talking about microphones, one of the things that also comes up quite often is what is its pattern or what is its polar pattern? And usually it's because somebody is trying to do something with a microphone that seemed to make sense to them at the time that the manufacturer designed the microphone to be able to do, but they didn't get really good results. One of those things is like trying to use one microphone with two different people using some kind of either 360 degree pattern or a figure eight pattern. And to me, I always think about, well, you have no idea where that other person's voice has been. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like with COVID and everything else. I don't know where you've been. You could have been anywhere. Now, another thing to, to look at is it's very hard to adjust one microphone for two different voices. If there's going to be two people recording you're better off getting another microphone, which, of course, doesn't work if you're using USB microphones. But if you can, use a microphone per person. Now, to understand the differences between the various polar patterns and why they exist, cardioid, which is what your microphones are doing, is more sensitive at the front of the microphone and less on the sides. It would reject almost all sound from the sides and the back. And if you look at the pattern, it kind of looks like a butt. If you look, if you go to the internet and type in cardioid polar pattern, you will see a pattern. It kind of looks like a butt. It's round at the very top, and then it kind of circles into itself right up to where the microphone is. I just actually looked up the definition of cardioid. It says a heart-shaped curve traced by a point on the circumference of a circle as it rolls around another yeah. identical circle. So that kind of sounds I, like I've heard, yeah. I've heard, I've heard them talk about a heart shape pattern. I think it's because they don't want to say, but probably, yeah. If you actually go and look at what the polar pattern looks like, you can call that heart shape. looks like a butt to me, but now, now I want to know why do they call it a polar pattern? It's a polar <laughs> pattern because I'm thinking it's not has it doesn't have to do with polar bears, does it? No, no. Um, I don't know why they call it a polar pattern, um, but it's it. You could just say pattern, I think, and that would that would explain it, like cardioid pattern. Uh, and when you now we were just talking about cardioid, there's various various types of cardioid polar patterns because that is the most popular pattern that you'll see with almost any microphone. You can have super what's or what's also sometimes called hypercardioid, which has much more focus on the front 
uh, if the mic uh, and the mic will have more rejection on the sides and less in the back. And this can be good or bad depending on the microphone is that rejection may also remove qualities of your voice that you like. And there's also wide court cardioid, which as the name states has a slightly wider front facing pattern. So if you had like a, a choir group, four or five people that are all using the same microphone, you would use a wide cardioid pattern so that it would pick up all of those people as to the best of your knowledge equally. Now, another pattern that, that you'll see mentioned, especially if you've got like a, a, a blue Yeti or uh, some of the other blue microphones is omnidirectional. Now, this is not a Batman supervillain, but it's a polar pattern that tries to be equally sensitive all the way around the microphone. I have never actually found a practical use for this, uh, but this is what some people use to record more than one person. Well, what, about thing, like a, what about like a, what do you call it, a, a quartet where you know people are actually all singing into the same microphone at the same time? Like you've seen yeah, you would you could or... you could use like a wide cardioid pattern, mm-hmm. which would have a, a wider front while still rejecting from the back mm-hmm. and the rear. So Sorry, from the rear and the sides. Do I need to really pay attention as to whether I'm talking in the front of the microphone or I'm talking in the side of the microphone? Does it? Do you hear a difference yes. as I'm doing oh, that? Oh, there's yes, a big difference. Yeah, yeah. So, so definitely maybe lower. I should. Mm-hmm. Which when you does want it to sound decide. better? With the the ATR 2100 microphone, that is a cardioid Mm -hmm. polar pattern, you should always be talking directly into... Into into the center of it. Yeah, which, and that's the, um, oh, I just said it a minute ago, now I can't think, uh, the, um, if I only had a brain, (laughs) the capsule, the microphone's capsule. Okay, right. So if if you unscrew the top of it, yeah. Yeah, I took off the cover and I was trying to like... Can I see the cardioid pattern if I'm looking no. at the microphone? I'm okay. It's no. inside. It's internal. Yeah, it, it's it's what it's what the the microphone has been designed to do. Mm-hmm. And with some microphones, you'll see there's like a little switch on it so that you can switch between uh, omnidirectional or figure eight or cardioid oh. polar patterns. Oh, okay. I have seen that. I always wondered what that meant. Yeah, yeah okay. that's what those mean. But unless you have an actual use for those other polar patterns, you're better mm-hmm. off getting a microphone that is designed specifically for how you want to use that microphone. You know, I had a, um, I can't think of who makes it Samson. I think it was a mm-hmm. Samson CO three U and it had that little switch. And that's the one I think that you yeah. owned me to test with. Yeah. Yes. I remember yes. it being a Samsung. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's, it's not that it wasn't a good microphone, but I think that I'm much better off and you are probably much better off with a microphone that works in the way that you want to record audio. Mm-hmm. Is okay. that what ended up making this ATR 2100 so popular? Like it's now discontinued. Well, so it's, there's it's something not. That has replaced it's actually, it? oh yeah, yeah. Well, if you want one that's like the, like the one that you guys have, they also mm-hmm. still make the ATR 2005 Mm-hmm. which I think uses the same capsule. It just has a slightly different screw on head because mm-hmm. all, if you took the, the head off of these microphones and looked inside, you'll see there's like foam mm-hmm. that's inside of it, which is kind of like a pop filter, though not a very effective one really with any right, microphone. That's why I always have to put a filter over top of it. Right. In fact, I think I need a secondary filter because my P's have been annoying me. Yeah, and well, same thing with S's. P's and S's mm-hmm. are the killer mm-hmm. for most yeah. microphones. Uh, The last polar pattern is the figure eight. Uh, And this has a high front and back sensitivity rate while rejecting from the sides. And this is good for two people recording that are facing each other, uh, which is actually, like I said earlier, a really terrible way to record audio. Don't do that if you you can avoid it. All right, now we're going to get into the differences between microphones. But I need to say this right off the bat. USB is not a type of microphone. USB is a connection from a microphone to your computer. And, but I can't tell you how many times I've asked people, what kind of microphone do you have? And they'll say, oh, USB. It's like, no, that's not, that's not a type of microphone. Uh, the, the two main types of microphones that are out there, and we were talking about this earlier, are condenser and dynamic microphones. 
and a couple general rules of thumb. Now, these aren't absolutes. There are no real absolutes when you're talking about something like microphones, but typically these are true. Condenser microphones are much more sensitive than dynamic microphones. Condenser microphones will pick up sounds from all over. I already said the fly fart joke. Okay. But they will pick up keyboard noises, external fan noises, air conditioners, chair squeaks, table bumps, kids yelling outside of your house, on the next street, and so on. Condenser microphones always require some kind of power. And we will talk about that in a second. If you see on Amazon or wherever it is that you buy microphones that the condenser microphone attaches via a 3.5 millimeter, like a headphone connector jack, don't buy that microphone. Don't buy any microphone that attaches via a 3.5 millimeter jack. Now, about dynamic microphones. Dynamic microphones need a lot of gain. And whether that gain comes from an audio interface or whether it's internal circuitry, like with the ATR2100, they need a lot of gain. And Dynamic gain. Gain is the amount of amplification that's required for your voice to make it from however you have your, your microphone connected to your computer or some other recording device and still be audible. Dynamic microphones by themselves typically, oh God, how to put this? Um, the, the two, like the very most famous dynamic microphone that a lot of podcasters want to use is, is the Shure SM7B. And it's a fantastic dynamic microphone. But if you plug it into an audio interface that doesn't have at least 60 to 70, 70 dB of gain, which is a crap ton amount of gain, it's not going to sound very good and you'll have a very, very low audio output. So does that explain why, I, I think for Lisa also, like my, my volume, my input volume, I always have to keep turned up. So mm-hmm. it's at 86% right now. Right. And, you're, and you're, you have them connected via USB. Correct. So there's not much you can do about that unless you do something like you go through Audio Hijack and you can, there's some boosting tricks that it. you can do in Audio Hijack to, to kind of pump up the volume. But when you do that natively from within the microphone that you have, instead of using some external device to boost the gain, you also start to introduce a lot of noise from that microphone. The higher the gain the more noise that you're going to get from so a single device. So that could be device. why we keep hearing that little bit of static what, that we were talking about. Not necessarily. That, necessarily that could be recording, but yeah, that could be a problem with Skype okay. because Skype has been total crap. It's today. Noisy. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very noisy. So in on, on a Mac, we have an app that's called MIDI. You know, if you mm-hmm. just do a search for MIDI, yeah, audio and, MIDI, audio MIDI setup. It's mm-hmm. in the utilities folder. So I'm, I'm looking at like, I, there's two places where I can see where we can make con- we can make changes, which I won't do while we're recording live. Yeah, but probably like I told not a good you, idea. You know, I have it set to eighty six percent. Yeah. Um, but then I've always been curious about that. What What does all those numbers and everything mean when I'm looking at it in MIDI? When I'm I'm looking at my ATR USB microphone, it says there's one and two, mm-hmm. and the number two one is what I'm speaking to you with right now. That's that's the audio input, and it has you know master stream uh, from from left, from right, and it has values and decibels and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I never monkey around with it because I don't know what it means and I don't want to break it. Well, right and left is simply referring to, because it's, it's, even though it's a mono, mono microphone and trying to explain the differences between mono and stereo would probably take longer than we really have for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- like with stereo, you can take a mono signal and put it on either through your right channel or your left channel. Okay. So if you cut out the left channel, then people will only hear you on one side. If you cut out the right channel, people will only hear you on the other side. Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as that 86%, that's, that's kind of like the volume setting. It's not really gain. It's a volume Mm -hmm. setting through audio MIDI setup 
for that particular device. Mm -hmm. And I love audio MIDI setup. I also hate audio MIDI yeah, setup. Yeah, it's very confusing. And the, the 86% is, I only see that in my sound input pref system preferences. That's where mm -hmm. I'm seeing that from. Um, but as far as the the MIDI app is concerned, it has ATR, USB microphone one and two, and then I can monkey around with stuff in there. There's an input and an output. Yeah. And I'm looking at the input. So, you know, there's hertz. Well, the reason like why most 4, microphones do not have 40, an output. 48,000 hertz. Most microphones do not have an output. The reason why yours does is the uh, headphone jack right. at the very bottom of the ATR right. 2100. So that I can hear myself, yeah. Right. That's mm -hmm. why, that's, that's one of the great things about the ATR 2100 and why so many people, one of the reasons why so many people choose it mm -hmm. as the very first microphone that they buy because, right, well, more and more, especially on the, the Mac side, you buy computers and they don't have an audio port because Apple thinks everyone can do everything wirelessly. Well, mm -hmm. as most people have found out, that's not true. Yeah. Mm -mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've got an M1 Mac mini here. It's Bluetooth capability is crap. Hmm. I'm having all kinds of trouble with it. Yeah. And with all of the great things I could say about the M1 Mac M1 Max, mm -hmm. the fact that I constantly have to go, no, 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 this is the keyboard I'm using. No, 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 no. Uh -huh, this is the yeah. trackball or mouse that I'm using. Now, right. when it comes to Apple devices, the Apple trackpad, magic trackpad works flawlessly. Kind of makes you wonder. <laughs> yeah. You know, any other device, like I've got a Satachi keyboard and a jelly comb trackball. And I'm constantly having to go, no, look, it's no, really, it's there. I swear, I swear, right. that's what I want to use right now. It drives me crazy. Yeah, that's a whole crazy. other thing I want to study sometime because I think it has to do with interference with the, the two sure. gigahertz band. Right, yeah. which is, and one of the things that you can do if you have a Mac Mini to help alleviate that is to turn off Wi-Fi. However, mm -hmm. a lot of people can't do that because that's mm -hmm. how they actually connect to the internet. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, but let's let's talk about uh, Phantom Power. You asked me about Phantom Power earlier. Now, Phantom Power, as what's typically put onto mixers and various other audio devices, is measured at roughly 48 volts DC. There are a few that are different, but that's usually that's what people are talking about. 48 volts DC is Phantom Power. And it's what's used to power the inner preamp of condenser microphones, which is why they need so little gain going out as compared to their dynamic cousins. The ATR2100, even though it's a dynamic microphone, because it's USB, has an inner preamp, much like condenser microphones do. Now, that sensitivity comes at the cost of picking up a lot of background noise that you might not even realize is there until you have to figure out some way to get it out of your recording, which can be hard with the occasional terrible results. Dynamic microphones typically don't need or use phantom power. However, it also won't hurt them if your interface or mixer has phantom power and it's armed across every single mic input. You don't have to worry about that. Your dynamic microphone will be fine. Now, you remember I was telling you earlier about how I destroyed a ribbon microphone that yeah, was how you did that guy because i plugged it into an interface that had phantom power turned on oh, and no. those that will kill in an instant a ribbon microphone now those kind of mics are really old school and super expensive and they usually need preamps with a lot of gain even more gain than you would typically need with a dynamic microphone so unless you are like super really into microphones, don't bother getting one. They're very expensive and easy to destroy. And so if you're a podcaster, your choices are so much better than spending a lot of money only to kill it later. Never now, heard of it until you mentioned it. Well, most people haven't because like, you know, those, those old microphones that you you know, you see Elvis Presley singing on stage, the big silver ones. Yeah, a lot of yeah. those were ribbon microphones. A lot of the, Microphones that you'll see with like what looks like radar antenna that are around them that you'll see like an old time uh, TV and, and radio broadcasts. Those are ribbon microphones. Uh, my brother Larry, as a matter of fact, 
had a broken ribbon microphone, but he was, he was fortunate enough to know an RCA engineer that used to work on them. That was who, and he was able to repair it. But those guys are now few and far between because condenser and dynamic microphones have pretty much become the, the new normal. So not many people are using ribbon mics anymore. While we're on this topic, mm-hmm. what causes an electrical shock to come through your microphone? Because I've been shocked by that. And I remember like a long, long time ago, you were just talking about Elvis and stuff like that. And yeah. I remember having, um, do you remember the the Osmonds? I had like a Donnie mm-hmm. Marie Osmond microphone when I was a kid. <laughs> and I remember if you got too close to it, it would shock you. And yeah. oh, that was, that was the worst pain ever. What causes that to happen? And how do you make sure that you avoid that? You can't. Um, A lot of it has to do with static electricity. Mm. Uh, Now, even even those microphones that have the three, three and a half inch millimeter jack that you plug in, there is typically, yeah, that's it. The sure iconic Unidyne vocal microphone. 179. It's such a beautiful microphone, too. It is. That's what we see in the emoji. I know. Use that for the for the uh, do you you guys do separate uh, show graphics or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Uh You should use that image. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Uh As as the show image. Uh, those are like the the classic look for microphones. Um, I'm sorry. What was your question again? Oh, we were talking about getting shocked. Yeah, here I go. Guy is off on a tangent. Um, getting shocked by microphones. Even the even the microphones that you have that connect up through a three and a half inch millimeter jack can still have power going to it. So if, but it's mostly just because you've built up some kind of static charge within you so that when you touch something like that, I I get shocked all the time at work when I touch the Mm -hmm. microwave oven, which makes me crazy because I usually have like a a bowl of oatmeal or something in my hand. (laughs) I think some of us carry like maybe more electrical surges through us or something like there's something about the the composition of our bodies or something, because I've, I've done that too, where I've worked in an office with people and like, Nobody, it wasn't happening to anybody else. It was just happening to me. I was the one that would get shocked every time I touched that one particular metal filing cabinet. And, oh, it was terrible. Well, so. one of the things that I used to do was carry around a, a balloon, balloon with a big sweater, and then I'd rub my feet on the carpet. And I can't figure <laughs> out why that used to happen to me all the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, that was a really interesting conversation, and uh, it's a shame we don't have time to fit it all into one episode. Guy has a lot of audio knowledge, especially when it comes to microphones, and the conversation went on over about another hour or so, so we decided to split this up into two episodes. So you'll be hearing part two of our conversation with Guy Searle on the next Geeky Show Ever podcast that will come out in two weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. We could probably automate that somehow because we're geeks, right? <laughs> well, probably. We'll it's always it's always fun to geek out about this stuff. And there was a lot. I think we learned a lot just in, in the first half of this episode. And there's a lot more to learn. He starts to talk about um, power and um, different kinds of cables and connections and stuff. I mean, there's just there's still so much more to learn. And he, he did a really good job of sticking to his notes. I mean, there's going to be a lot of show notes so people can follow along in case they get lost and I'll try to link some of the things so that they can look them up. But I think it's going to be really informative for anybody who wants to learn about anything audio related, microphone related. He will end the uh, episode next time with his microphone picks in various price ranges. So Mm -hmm. if you're in the market for a microphone, if you can hold out just another couple of weeks and you can find out what Guy thinks are good microphones in various uh, categories. Yeah, I'll tell you, I I think it's really important information, not just for podcasters. You don't have to be a podcaster to listen to this, but a lot of people are doing work from home. And I know a lot of people are just using like the built-in either, you know, the, the microphones on the Macs are not that bad. And sometimes the, the mics, you know, from the earbuds are not that bad. But I'll tell you, my microphone does actually make a difference in my client, in my consulting, when I do remote tech support, my clients tell me that they can hear me a lot better when I use my my ATR microphone. So sound does, good sound quality and good a good microphone really will make a difference. And I think it's important for people to become informed consumers about this stuff. And I think, I think this show will really help. Yeah, I agree. So if you want to get in touch with Guy, if you have any questions in the meantime, you just can't wait another couple of weeks. <laughs> Here's some information of how you can get in touch with Guy. On Twitter, his handle is either MacParrot or VertShark, which is spelled V-E-R-T 
B-E-R-T-S-H-A-R-K, or you can go to his website, BertShark.com, and that will give you information of how to get in touch with him and also will give you a list of the various podcasts that he hosts or co-hosts. Uh, the one you're probably most familiar with is MyMac.com podcast, which he's been doing for about 10 years now. Yep, he's one of our neighbors on the MyMac podcasting network. So that's the information for Guy. So, Melissa, how would people get in touch with us if they had some pressing questions to ask us? Sure. Uh, you can get in touch with us. You can email us for the few people that still use email. We have an email address that's podcast at com, And we're also on Twitter at show. So we would love to get your feedback. We'd love to get your questions, show ideas, topic ideas, guest ideas. We would... Uh, we just love to hear from you. We like to have that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening and stay safe and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Some people like their live casts to be informative, to the point, provocative, and timely. The Mac to the Future live cast is some of those things, but we won't say which ones. Join Dave Ginsberg, Guy Searle, and Warren Sklar for a weekly dose of Apple Fun every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on Facebook or in the Mac to the Future Facebook group. 